song, Our Great Savior. Take your Bibles, please. I almost said hymnals. That's what I normally say. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 here this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I don't know about you, but I don't like uh, struggling with staying awake when I'm supposed to be. Some of you are going to have that trouble this morning, and I won't do what I've done to some guys in my class in the past, uh, but projectiles have flown from my hands and uh, get their attention. But uh, there's been times when I have struggled with that, especially I can remember when <clears throat> I had just gotten my permit. In fact, I don't know about you, but you probably were put into driving gradually. Some of you maybe not. In my case, it was literally two, three days after I got my permit. My mom wanted me to go down with her to Indiana. My sister was down there. Uh, sister Elizabeth was down there. And so we we drove down. She said, I'll let you, I had just, I only driven on the expressway one, one time, one time. And she said, why don't you drive down to Kenosha and then I'll take the, I'll take the, uh, the rest of the way. I said, sure, no problem. That's, I was all, I was all excited about that. And so we get to Kenosha and my mom was wiped out. I mean, just really tired. I can't remember all that had happened before. She said, I'm too tired. I said, what do you mean you're too tired? She said, you're gonna have to keep driving. I said, you know what's next? She said, yeah, Chicago. I said, right. I, she said, you're going to have to. I just can't stay awake. I said, okay, here we go. So three days, one time on the expressway, I'm in downtown Chicago driving. So I love the big cities now. Uh, that was my just right in there. You got doing it. But I remember not too long after that, we, our family drove to Atlanta. And I can't remember why, but we were coming back. Maybe just a vacation. But we went down there, and we were coming back together. And we were in, uh, let's see, we were coming uh, north of Racine and getting to close to the airport here, coming north, and the whole family was sleeping. I mean, pastor was in the front seat. He was out. Everybody, I mean, they were out. Well, it was getting to the point where I was getting extremely tired because I just couldn't stay awake. I was struggling. I just, uh, I was just thinking, what am I going to do? You know what? I couldn't, I'm trying to, I don't know, I just couldn't get myself awake at all for anything. I was so frustrated, but I didn't want to wake him up, but yeah, I didn't want them all to die, you know, and, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And all of a sudden, right behind me came flashing lights. Now, I looked at my speedometer. I was 10 over the speed limit. Okay, I'll just be a mis transparency here. I was speeding. And I'm thinking, I just got a permit? Oh, no. So I immediately said, oh, no. You know, and Pastor, man, he woke up fast. He saw the lights. Said, what? You know, said something like, so what's going on? Or what, 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 what were you doing? And um, I said, well, I think I was going too fast. So I move over. All of a sudden, Boom, he goes right past me. He was going after somebody else. And it <clears throat> doesn't mean my speeding was right, but I, I, uh, <laughs> but I remember that sense of phew at the moment. I was a shoo. But man, I was awake. <laughs> I mean, totally awake. So was Pastor <laughs> and everybody else. So the rest of the way home, man, we were just talking and having a good time after we were all relieved that I wasn't going to lose my permit uh, after just the first few days of driving. Also, I can remember taking my family to Kansas City a few years ago. We were driving down, uh, we were on 35, I guess that is, south of Des Moines. And when you're driving through the night, it was after Christmas Eve service. I said, well, yeah, I was think it was in the wintertime. Thankfully, the roads were clear, but I was driving, and it was probably about 3 in the morning. And I told my wife, I said, look, you know, you got, you got to rest. You got you to gotta take it easy. Yeah, we got to stay, you know, we don't want to get sick or anything, so let's just, you get some rest. I remember, though, you know, you can see two bridges instead of one. Have any of you done that before? You start seeing multiple things. They're supposed to be, oh, it was just, it was frightening. And then immediately I'm thinking, okay, I've got these precious kids behind me and a wife here. 
you know, if I, if I die, that's not good, but you know, I don't want them to be in trouble. I'm just thinking, but I'm trying to, they want to wake her up. Same, same, same situation. And all of a sudden, while I'm hurtling down the road at least 75 miles an hour, I look over and I, I look at right ahead of me. I'm just not even enough time to react. I see a deer standing right by the side of the road coming, you know, about ready to come through. And I'm just, you know, I, I don't, I didn't yell out, but I said, oh no. Of course, I got my wife's attention. And thankfully, the deer did not move. Um, he just stayed there at least until we got by. But I mean, every, from going from absolute just, just lethargy, couldn't even think straight. I mean, literally, I was not even thinking clearly. It was bad. All of a sudden, from there to just every nerve, uh, completely alert and awake. And, you know, we, we laugh about those stories. People are not to be lethargic, drowsy, if you want to call it that. Instead, we are to know what's coming ahead, and we need to be living, watching, and sober as children of the light or as children of the day. I want you to look at, see verses 5 and 6 here, and then I'm going to mainly focus on toward the end of the chapter, but I want you to see here what, uh, what Paul's saying here to the people of Thessalonica. He says, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now, I want to remind you that this is in the context of Jesus Christ, uh, talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. We know in chapter 4, talking about the rapture, his imminent return, and he says, don't be overtaken, don't be surprised, he could come at any time. And he says, don't sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Now, I'm excited about what God's doing here at BCM. And I think there's a lot of awake college students. But there is still a tendency uh, to get lethargic very quickly. And I think these commands that God gives through the Apostle Paul here to the believers are very helpful and help us to see really where are we spiritually. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of these practical verses, some really short ones, uh, some verses that probably most of you have put to memory at some point. But I trust that this will be a help to you this morning, and I hope you realize, Lord, make, make, Lord, would you please make these a reality so that there's not any part of my life where I am living lethargic, where I'm not living alive, awake as children of the day. So let's look at verse 12 is where we're going to start. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Now, any of these verses could stand alone as a sermon. I think you know that. 
But I want us to just do a more of a summary of, of, of these. There are several points I'm going to give you this morning, tying these together, which I believe will be a practical help to you as you move forward, even in this semester, making sure that your life is truly characterized by one that's living as a, as a child of God of the day. The first thing I'd like for us to see in this passage that we find in the first two verses that we read, 12 and 13, is the importance of respecting the spiritual leadership that God puts in, in our lives. In fact, this is a very powerful section of scripture and has been a big help to me. It says, and we beseech you, or I plead with you, brethren. Okay, that's a strong statement. All right, he's beseeching them to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. First thing we are to see here is that we're to appreciate the role that they have. Verse 12, the idea is respecting their position. To know is the idea of to know fully, to regard, to respect. One commentator says, recognize them for what they are and as entitled to respect because of their office. So anybody that God's allowed in your life put over you in spiritual leadership, the Bible says that we're to respect the position that God's given to them. And we're to, to have full regard and respect for what they are and what they're doing. Somebody who's your pastor, you have uh, many of you have pastors back at your home church. Right now you're in this local church, part of this Bible college, so Pastor Van Gelderen. Think of even people like, yes, your dean of men, dean of women, people that God has clearly put in your heart. This is mainly focus, of course, would be on your pastor, but any spiritual leadership here could be applied to them. And it says, know them. Know means to regard, to respect, to know fully what their position is. But not only are you to respect their position, but we find here the importance of respecting their responsibility. Because it says, to know them which labor among you. The idea of that word labor means to labor with effort, to toil. It's a continuous action. It's something that's happening all the time. Now, I want you to think about it. A pastor, he does labor. He has a continual responsibility to feed the flock. Now, there's some challenging aspects to that that are tough. One thing that's a blessing, and uh, it's actually a blessing of being a pastor and a spiritual leader, is the intense study of, of the Word of God. But if a man's going to feed the flock of God, he's got to be in the Word. He's got to be in the Word for a long time, every week truly gleaning what God would have him to give. But there's also the idea of the sacrificial meeting of people's needs that has to go on. There's Those of you who grew, grew up in the ministry know that there's times, all hours of the night, you could be called on. People just, they have needs in, the, in, the, in their lives and they don't necessarily, of course there's emergencies, but sometimes they don't even think about your family's life. Uh, I can remember some times where things had, had to be set aside. It was legitimate. Pat, pastor was tremendous about priorities, but there were times we all recognized this has to, even coming back home early from vacations for funerals and key situations and, and needs in people's lives. Okay, there is sacrifice. It's challenging. It's, there, there's labor there. There's also the negative of, and it's the trial of maybe being knifed in the back, people you've invested in. I've not been the senior pastor, of course, but I can think of some folks that God's allowed me to invest in, so many encouraging things. But there's been times when, you know, when uh, I was even knifed in the back, nothing like a senior pastor. Pastor's been gone through that many times. When people you love and you invest in and you pour your life into, and then they make a decision to go the other way, they, they uh, are defeated spiritually, and many times even they personally will. We'll come back at the man who's spent much time endeavoring to help them. But there's also many rewards too, right? Think about the spiritual and physical needs that are met in the lives of people as God uses you to pray for them, to work with them, 
seeing saints strengthen. I mean, I love hearing pastor, especially in staff meetings, and we'll be praying together. He talks about the glory of seeing God changing lives, and what a joy it is to see uh, how folks are growing. And all that. That, That's just, there's nothing, you can't even put a price tag on that. Uh, lives being changed, people being saved, and the, God growing His church, and young people yielding to the, to the call to serve God. I'll tell you, one of the greatest joys I know for pastor and all of us here on staff is to be a part of BCM and see what God's doing in your lives and seeing graduates serving God all around the world. So there's great joy with it too, but in all of it, it's a labor, okay? And it's laboring with effort. It's, it's a continuous labor. Now, it's a, he says, okay, appreciate their role. So you need to respect their position, respect their responsibility, understand what goes into being a pastor or being a spiritual leader. But third, respect their placement. This is really important. It says, which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. All right? The idea is those who are placed before you. God has placed them over you in your life. He's the one that has placed them in that position. And they're over you in the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 75, For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Anybody who's in spiritual leadership knows, if they are at all sensitive to the Lord, they know that their authority spiritually comes only from God, not from themselves. And the Bible says, and admonish you. Their role is to admonish you. The idea, Robert Robertson puts it this way, putting sense into the heads of people, a thankless but necessary task. <laughs> okay? It is, that's the way it is, though. Okay, Bible calls the under or the Bible calls a pastor the under shepherd. He's dealing with sheep. We're people that are sheep. That's the illustration God gives us. Sheep are not very intelligent animals, and so really many times just the uh, the role of admonishing and and even correction implies c- correction. That's the idea of putting sense into the heads of people. Many times it's not a a, a job that's uh, too exciting, and sometimes it's a thankless, but it's necessary. The point is this. All right. God has placed those who are over you, not just they came up with that themselves. So you know what that means? Men, when a, somebody like Pastor Swanson says, you can come in my office, I want to talk to you about something. The best thing in all the world is for you to immediately say, God, do whatever it takes right now in my life. Use him. You have put him, him in my life and don't push back against correction. When your pastor preaches a message and God's giving him a message and God's starting to convict you or maybe... People are starting to talk negatively, or maybe, in, thankfully, in BCM, I don't sense this right now, but there still could be some of you that are struggling with maybe some decisions that have been made or things that have happened, and you can immediately find yourself getting into a position where you, there's disrespect or there's just not the right attitude toward an authority. And the Bible says, and by the way, we're not perfect, but we're endeavoring the best we know how by God's grace to be able to lead you all spiritually, lead the church family here spiritually to follow God. So... The Bible says they're not perfect people, but you're to know what they're doing. They labor among you, and you are to, uh, and you need to realize that they're laboring. They have been put there by God for you to help you and to admonish you, to correct you. To correct you. You got that? So I don't think Pastor Swanson has to do a ton of it, but there is still enough. And some of you have been in his office probably in the last few weeks. I have no idea, but maybe you have, and he's had to correct you about something. That's his God-given role for you. Any pastor that loves you is going to help you and correct you. You know, any parent that loves their child is going to correct them. That's the whole idea. Now, 
What are you supposed to do toward this person? Well, the Bible says in verse 13, you're to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And then it says, and be at peace among yourselves. So the idea is we're to honor their work. We're to consider them with high esteem. You know what that means? It's a careful and deliberate consideration. It's a continual action. It's the literally be continually doing this. All right. Very highly literally means abundantly out of bounds or exceedingly overflowing all bounds. So this isn't like, well, I'm just going to comply or I'm just going to just I'll just hang in there. OK. All right. I understand. Maybe I do need to correct some things. And all right. I think it's a little extreme, but, you know, I'm going to respect Brother Swanson I'm going to respect Pastor. Yeah, I'll hang in there. No, no. The Bible says totally the opposite. We are literally with careful and deliberate consideration all the time, very highly, almost to the point of excess, we're to esteem them. Now, not like some of the things you've seen today where people just follow a man, regardless of whether or not he's following God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where you know God's put them in your life, and they are, you know they're walking with God, and that's, that's um, somebody God's put you under. You ought to very highly esteem them, the Bible says, in love for their work's sake. You know, the illustration is given of an army of, if, if, if you had an army and all that was in the army was just captains and colonels, do you think we'd ever win a battle? No, right? We need wise leadership today, but even we need more wise following of leadership. The unity that comes in a group, in a church family when people follow. Now, the Bible says to let love govern our attitude because of what they do. By the way, being a spiritual leader, and many of you are called into ministry, you're here for that reason. It is not an easy thing, okay? There are many trials, there's many challenges that come, and I'm not saying it negatively. I'm as optimistic about serving God as I've ever been. I've always, since I was a little boy, pastor can tell you, God's had his hand on my, in, on my life. He's worked in my heart regarding being part of the ministry. I remember now, which is my bedroom, but I would walk into pastor's bedroom uh, over and over again, and I would say to my dad, he's, he was uh, finishing getting ready in the morning and, or even at night, I would say things like this. I would say, Dad, why isn't everybody called to serve the Lord in the ministry? That's just the way it was. I just thought it was the greatest thing in all the world. I, even though I've seen a lot of realism and a lot of life, I still am as excited or more about serving God. Okay? But the fact is, is you need to realize that there is a definite spiritual pressure and dynamic that is there for anybody who's walking in that leadership role. Okay? Spiritual leaders can never do their best work when they're subject to carping criticism from those who should be their followers. And so, again, I'm almost saying this. I don't think the context at all at BCM right now is this is needed to be said. But there's probably a few of you who might internally be struggling right now with something that uh, one of your leaders has done. Uh, from the standpoint of what they're asking you to do or something. Let me encourage you, the Bible says to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Now, how are you to demonstrate that love? Well, the Bible says to continually honor, okay? Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. They're continually laboring for you. You're to continually esteem them very high. That, that's why it's a good thing to just come up to somebody who's working with you and say, thank you so much for your investment in, 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 in my life. Or just through love, just, just not to even do anything for them, but just express your gratitude. That's a good thing. It's a really important thing. By the way, it's good for you. It's almost more important for you than it is for them and their encouragement. And then the Bible says to, that we're to continually follow and be at peace among yourselves. The whole statement here, this is a quote, the whole statement is a beautiful picture of the local church whose esteem for its pastor is blessed of God in such a way that the whole assembly keeps on living in peace among themselves so that the work moves forward unhindered. It's God's will for harmony, unity, and progress to characterize the people and work of the local church. You know the church that gets the most done? 
is the church that's at peace among themselves and working together, following the spiritual leadership that God's given. And then you can expect blessing. You know what? Whenever you do as God says, you can expect the reward that God gives. In fact, the Bible says, he that receiveth you, in Matthew 10, it says, he that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So he who receives a God-sent worker receives his master will share in his reward. So when we have the right attitude toward those who are in spiritual leadership, it makes such a big difference. And by the way, that's the difference between those who are living in spiritual darkness and those who are walking in the light. You know, those who are free with their dean of men are walking in light. Dean of women, their pastor. There's not any attitude issue there going on uh, between you and your pastor. There's no tension. There's no sense of, you know, you're just you're endeavoring to follow God through through the man that God's put in, in your life. There's such joy and light in that. There's a lot more in this section than this, though. The second thing we find here, we found that we're to respect. The second thing is to respond to genuine needs. And this is important in the in the context of the college and, of course, in the context of the bigger picture here of the local church here at Falls. It says, now we exhort you, brethren, Warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil. First, we find we're to correct the disorderly. By the way, this is not written to pastors. This here is written to the church. Okay, so in other words, in the context of a school like BCM, Falls Baptist Church, we are to correct the disorderly. You say, well, how does that work? Well, anybody that, the idea is anybody that breaks rank, Somebody who's maybe spiritually lazy, maybe who's getting off on a tangent or doing something wrong, they need to be helped. They, we, we all need to be in rank following what God has for us. We all need to be in the middle of God's cause. So when somebody's off on an aberrant thing, they're struggling spiritually, they're, they have a little bit of an attitude creeping up, they're frustrated about something, you and I have a responsibility to come alongside and to help them. Just recently, I had to help somebody here in our church family that was just off struggling and I by God's grace came alongside and was strong to correct spiritually and yet at the same time as you'll see here also this was somebody that had a real need and they needed love okay but the fact is is when somebody's off they're saying things that are off they're 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 not right spiritually you and I have a responsibility with the spirit of God's help to correct the disorderly okay we exhort your brother and warn them that they're unruly that's literally the idea of correcting those who are disorderly but then Comfort the feeble-minded. The word comfort, to encourage, to console. Feeble-minded is, is literally somebody who is faint-hearted. Those who lose heart and want to drop out when things get tough. That's really important in a college setting. You know, some of you are going to get into the next block, and you're going to start getting discouraged. Uh, normally this happens in first semester with students, but sometimes even in second semester. And you see a freshman especially, or even a sophomore, uh, and they're just, they're just struggling, man. They're just... they're. They're, they're not doing well with their grades. They're struggling with their character. You know, you and I have responsibility when we know of those situations. The Bible says we're to come along and encourage, help. It's literally the idea of somebody who's faint-hearted. Now, I know we, we hear the word feeble-minded, and none of us want to be put in that category. But let me just say, if you here today are struggling, you're discouraged, you're wanting to throw in the towel, that you're in that category. And you need to let people, people help you and encourage you. Okay? Comfort, encourage, help the feeble-minded. Look, right now in this college, even though there's a lot of good things happening in this college, no doubt, and in Falls Baptist Church, there's people right now that are discouraged. 
And if you're aware of it, the Bible says you have a responsibility to comfort, come alongside, encourage, and help lift those people up. doesn't mean you help them wallow in where they're at. You bring, help bring them the victory. You encourage them. Come alongside them. We cannot in good conscience let people flounder when we're aware that they're discouraged. Let me give you a for instance here. This fits with this whole point. Right now, I've just started with, with, with my fellowship, a, a group that we're dealing with on the video series on the issue of pornography. And in the last two weeks, we, we, we've, we've had it. And literally, I have been on the phone. Yesterday, I was on the phone for 30 minutes with somebody. On the phone constantly with my guys. Not because they're just all, you know, just throwing the towel. Actually, a lot of them are encouraged spiritually and doing well, but they're just starting, things are starting to come up that they haven't really dealt with before. And just, you know, things that could be discouraging. And in some cases, they're like, I don't know. And not that they necessarily have a major lust problem, but maybe they're starting the, some of the wounds from their past are starting to, to, uh, to, that, you know, they've never really dealt with are coming out. And guess what? I have a responsibility. I cannot in good conscience let those guys go. All right, and you know what? I love working with them and helping them out, though. And God's man, God's strengthening me. By the way, you are so helped spiritually when you get involved in other people's lives. You know, you miss out on so much seeing God do something great when you are selfish and will not take the time to help somebody else out. So we have a responsibility. And, and look, there are people in here who feel very, and are even maybe demonstrating the idea of being faint-hearted. God doesn't want you to live that way. And let other, let other people help you. That's totally pride when you say, oh, I just, I'm not. You know, I, I've dealt with people here recently, even at church. I'm just, I just, I'm just too defeated. I can't. No, you're not. Okay, let's come alongside and figure out why you're getting discouraged, why you're emotionally struggling. You know, God, God, has, God has all the victory that, that you need, but obviously we need to help people get out of their mindset. Bible says support the weak, support the spiritually weak. The idea of supporting, hold on by, keep close to. The weak is those who are strengthless. So we're all strengthless. But we're talking about people who just literally are not accessing the grace of God. They're just weak. Okay, the Bible says we're to stay alongside them. Don't let them go till they're strengthened. And then this is another good one. Be patient toward all men. You know what that means? Be patient with everybody. All right? Long-suffering toward everybody. This isn't just within the church either. This is anybody that you're alongside. You know, it should never be that anybody from this church or this room here, anybody ever, ever is known in the community for being in, in, impatient. I'm talking about on the road. <laughs> okay? I've, I've been tempted, trust me. Okay? But the moment I do that, I think, well, how in the world is that going to help a lost person come to the Lord? But believers are some of the worst at this. And it's not cool for, 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 for you to kind of have a little edge to you. Now, look, I know we have to sometimes not be had in, when somebody's trying to cheat us and so on. But as believers, and it happens, but as believers, we ought to be known, even in those moments, we can be tough, but we can have graciousness. And when you're not spirit-filled, it's amazing how ugly you can get. And how ugly I can get in my spirit. And you know what the Bible says? Be patient toward all men. But especially in here. Dorm room. I'm talking about situations that may happen in, the, in, in your college fellowship that may be frustrating and ag aggravating just by the way that, that somebody's acting or something. And just, you, just, you find yourself, by the way, when you get in the ministry and become a pastor, or pastor's wife, or evangelist, or missionary, you're going to have to learn this all the time. I'm amazed at how long-suffering pastor is, okay? It's amazing. And uh, I keep learning uh, that uh, I always get a kick out of some of these evangelist guys that say, oh, you know, 
I just couldn't imagine being a pastor and, you know, patience for a week. But they would learn. They would learn very fast. They would do well. Uh, but the fact is, guys, no matter what your gifting is, all of us can be patient toward all men. That, that's what we're called to do. And by the way, this is, again, this isn't just toward leadership. This is toward every believer here in this context. Now, and then it says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Now, this is a personal and a corporate responsibility, I believe. I believe personally, every believer ought to be known for not returning evil if somebody does evil to them. That's, we know that's supposed to be the way it is, but many times we're tempted to do that. Nobody should exchange or give back in kind what they have received of somebody else. Evil is the idea of that which causes injury or works any kind of mischief. And so when people are evil to us, we're always to pursue doing good to others when they do evil to us. I think of the illustration of, of my great-grandmother, whose neighbor kept going in, into her yard and, and uh, digging up all the flowers, if you heard the illustration probably, and putting it in her yard. And uh, it was pretty obnoxious, really. And my grandmother, you know what she did? She didn't go and do something to her yard. She baked her a pie. You say, where's your rights? You know, I've had so many believers say, but it will look weak if we do something like that. I say, no, you may feel weak, but if you will respond in love, not that people shouldn't, you know, there should be, obviously somebody breaks the law, there should be consequences, but, but we shouldn't be trying to get everything we can out of the situation. There should be a, a heart of love and forgiveness. And it says, ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and all men. So that means is this, okay? I can see some, some of you are struggling here, staying awake. So I know you're tired and this cold knocks it out of you and maybe I'm boring, but just uh, try to stay awake this morning, okay? All right, so by the way, just a little, you know, if you need to put your leg out a little bit and like pull, I, I do this, I just pull my foot up. It, it's something about a muscle it does. I don't know, if I struggle, I'll just start doing that. It'll wake me up. So just a little advice if some of you, you're welcome to do that. If, if, if you're struggling, if that doesn't work, I don't know. Uh, ask the person beside you to slap you. If it's a guy, slap a guy, a girl, a girl, okay. All right, so the fact is this. First of all, respect those who are in spiritual leadership over you. Secondly, we're to uh, respond correctly when, when situations happen. We're to be involved in people's lives and helping folks. Third thing quickly is, is to revel in trials. This is a big one. The Bible says rejoice evermore. By the way, this is the shortest verse in Scripture. Okay, not Jesus wept. Okay, technically this is. All right, and it packs a very powerful punch. You know what it means? Rejoice at all times, on all occasions, under every circumstance, in every circumstance, under anything you're facing, you're to rejoice. You didn't, did you know that you have such a wellspring of joy in you because Jesus lives in you that you should never, ever, 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 ever do anything but re 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 rejoice? You say, that's impossible. Right, it is. But that's the, whole, the Holy Spirit's miracle. And you know what I have learned in, in these last few months? We just seem to have a cascade of, in the middle of some wonderful blessings, we had just a cascade of just bad things happen. Even these last couple of weeks, I mean, just had a, just a crazy thing happen with my daughter's bow got broken, and, and um, it wasn't, you know, a purposeful thing, but it got broken, and then, so, you know, and it, just, it was just like literally, and, and the moment I found that out, the Lord helped me because I've had so many just very, just, you know, when you find out your whole family's life changes, when you've got kids with celiac disease and arthritis. I mean, all this stuff has happened the last three months. And the Lord is teaching me more and more. I almost chuckle now. And I almost laugh. And I say, here we go again. And it's literally, it's in my heart, it's rejoicing because I know God's got something big he's wanting to do. You know, God doesn't let those things happen just to torture us. He does it because he loves us. 
So if he loves me and he's going to do something good for me, I can rejoice, right? Okay, I'm not the perfect picture of that. Pastor can tell you. I haven't always rejoiced in trials. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm learning. Rejoice at all times. Rejoice evermore. Then it says pray without ceasing. Stay depending. See, God's plan is for his people to pray, to stay yielded and depending on him. And I think this is a perfect spot for it. Stay rejoicing all the time. And the engine to keep that spirit of rejoicing is stay depending. Pray without ceasing. Look, if you are in a constant spirit of dependence and looking to God, that bad thing happens. You're going to say, God, you get glory because something's going to great is going to happen here. I don't know what. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rejoice in you right now. I'm going to make that choice. You know what? If you're not walking in that spirit of dependence, that's not going to be your response. And then another thing that ties into that, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Isn't it interesting that God puts this is the will of God in Christ Jesus? <laughs> okay, that just puts an emphasis on it. I've been redeemed. I have all that I need in Christ. I should always be grateful. And it's a present imperative, continuous action. The idea of practice giving thanks in every circumstance. So rejoicing all the time, always give, giving thanks. Let me ask you a question. Is that what you're known for? Is that what you're known for? If somebody, if, if, I, if I were to bring up, I won't name names, but if I were to bring up somebody and set them up here, and I say, all right, BCM students, is this person always thankful? Is this person always rejoicing? What would you say? What would be said about you? Do you ever complain to your doormate? Do you ever complain to another fellow, to a student? Not even necessarily complain about, like you have a bad attitude about something with the school. I'm just complaining about life. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it, man. My finances are horrible. You know, it's just terrible. And it's not that you even have a, I mean, not even that strong of an attitude. Maybe just, just I don't know, discouraged today. Some of you are known for that probably more than you should be, aren't you? It's convicting. We're to revel in trials. Fourthly, quickly, we need to receive God's word. It says, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. The idea of, first of all, staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, you're not going to be able to receive what God has for you if you are not, if you're quenching the spirit. Because remember, the spirit of God is the one that quickens your heart. He's the one that illuminates truth. So if there's ways that you know you're quenching the Holy Spirit. By the way, you get frustrated about something, you just quench the Holy Spirit. You don't listen to his voice when he tells you to do something. Maybe pass out a tract or speak a word of witness or, or come alongside and confront in a godly manner or come alongside and encourage somebody. You don't take the time to do that. You live for yourself. You quench the Spirit of God. Then you wonder why your devotions are a little dry, why you're struggling spiritually. It's because you're there's ways that you're saying no to God instead of staying alive in his presence. And so when you're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, then you're going to struggle with the next one. Despise not prophesying. That's the idea of gladly receiving the truth would be the opposite side of that. Stop habitually setting it not the message of God's word. Like today, when somebody gets up to preach like myself or somebody else, there ought to be an immediate, I need this. God, there's something here for you, or for me, from you, right now that I need. Lord, help me. I, 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 I want, instead of coming in saying, okay, I'm sure it'll be good, I hope I stay awake. See the difference? Um, now, I just want to tie something back just so you can be helped on, 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 on this point. If you're all struggling with a spiritual leader, and they get up to preach, now, by the way, we all have flaws, okay, but still, if you're struggling with somebody and they get up to preach, 
and they're preaching the word of God, you kind of got to check in your spirit about them. Do you think you're going to really embrace what God gives to you from them? Why do churches struggle so badly? So when people start getting an attitude about a pastor, and then he gets up to preach, it's not thus saith the Lord, it's another enduring of whatever he's going to say. You see the difference? So, or let's say, guys, that you have an attitude, and this happened before, in this place. Guys have gotten frustrated with Brother Swanson, believe it or not. It's happened. They didn't like how direct he was or whatever. And so, you know what? He comes to, he, bring, you know, he talks to you, brings you in, your, in the office, and in your mind, you're, you're trying to act compliant, but inside you're just, you're not listening. That's a huge problem for you. The Bible says despise not prophesying. When somebody declares the word of God to you, you need to receive it. How do you respond when certain things are brought up? That's truly the test of your spiritual, of where you are spiritually. And I just, I keep bringing up Brother Swanson, but it seems like guys, you know, just uh, girls too, actually, I probably should do more on that. But the fact is, is we, we do find ourselves resisting those who, who are in, 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 in leadership over us and, and who love us and are trying to help us. And, and there's that pride that comes up if we're not able to be helped. The Bible says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, firmly embrace the truth. Then it also says, abstain from all appearance of evil. That's the idea of fervently abstaining. Separate yourself from every form, appearance, or kind of evil. All evil. Stay away from it. Well, let me ask you this. Um, a lot of times, people say in the name of liberty, Christian liberty, whatever, they, they keep finding themselves, I don't know, getting closer and closer drawn to things that are maybe not the best. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. If it's questionable, just, just gladly stay away from it. There, there, there should be no handle that somebody has on your life where they're like, well, he was just talking about that movie you watched the other day, and oh, I wonder, you know, I, I don't know, I wonder what kind of stuff he watches. Or, you know, wow, that's, that's, that's kind of on the edge there a little bit. I wonder, I remember, I'll just tell you this, guys, this is, this is a, heart, a heartbreaker. I remember sitting in the Fellowship Hall, one of the first teen revival conferences, and a pastor's son, this guy was on staff with his father, sat down with me, brought his youth group here, and he talked to me. He said, you know what, I'm a little bit frustrated. He said, you know, I think that my dad's a little too strict about certain things. And I said, okay. Um, no, I didn't agree with him, but, you know, I was just listening to where he was at because then he went right into it. And I really said, I'm having a hard time. He said, I just, because he was under conviction. He said, I really like my television. And he was sincere. I mean, he was just telling me. He was being all open with me. And he said, I really like my TV. And he said, I, I just, you know, I can't imagine not having a television. And, um, and he went on and on. I was just surprised. I just couldn't believe it. And I tried to help him spiritually and so on. Well, anyway, he's not in the ministry today. Okay? It's a heartbreak to his dad. I'll just say this. Abstain from all appearance of evil because it's good for you too. <laughs> Maybe give up the thing. I'm not saying you can't have, have a TV, but I, it's less and less possible to really have one today and be okay um, but the, to watch normal television. But the point is this that as believers, we need to stay as far away from anything that would bring a question mark. You know, I have great comfort and peace in my own heart knowing that there is not a television in pastor's home. That's just the way it is for me, at least. You know, I grew up in that, but not having that influence, knowing that he could maybe be up at 2 in the morning watching something he shouldn't be. Also knowing I know full well exactly how he guards his devices. Do you think that brings a peace and a, and a sense of, of settledness and encouragement to our church family, knowing pastor's carefulness? Do you think that helps? Yes, and especially when you're in spiritual leadership, there ought to be even a greater level of, 
a, f a sense of responsibility that, Lord, first of all, I'm not big enough to, <laughs> to or a strong enough to just overcome anything, and, and, to, and that's why we have to set up safeguards. But even, even more than that, just for people to have a confidence and a sense of, of encouragement in your own spiritual leadership. Again, you all have to come to what you know the Lord would have you do, but be careful you don't just because of your rights just have certain things because I have to have it. But just really be willing to say, God, I want to abstain from anything that would cause question mark. By the way, a bishop is to be what? Blameless. Okay? Again, that doesn't mean if they have a television, they're not. That's not the point. But, but whatever it is in your life that you know would be a question mark, abstain from it. Then lastly, rest in God's enablement. Oh, I love this. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. And then he says in verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you. Look, depend on God's character. Two, two things about his character. First of all, he's the God of peace. He is the one who has given you that relationship. He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Colossians 1, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. He's the one that's giving you that relationship with, with, with him, the God of peace. And then he's faithful. God neither lies in making his promises nor, nor repents of them when made. He is the one who has called you to do it. The Bible says, faithful is he that calleth you who also. He's faithful, he's called you, and he will do it. You can believe him. So wherever you're struggling in, in your spiritual life, you just simply need to rest in the fact that he's the God of peace and will sanctify you wholly as you yield to him. And he's a faithful God in everything that he's called you to do. He's going to enable you to do it. You've heard that so many times. It's true, though. Isn't it funny that we're like, yeah, that's right. But then we get discouraged about a sin issue in our life. Or we get discouraged about a need in our life, and then we start questioning God when we know He's faithful, and we know faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. So let me just ask you here, here this morning, when we think about the points that, that were given, first of all, do you genuinely have a respect, a biblical respect for spiritual leadership? Secondly, could, could, could it be said that you are responding to the genuine needs of others around you? Is that true? And then, of course, we know the last few that, that we looked at with regards to um, uh, reveling in trials and receiving God's word and then ultimately resting in his enablement. I, I trust that just, I know we looked at a lot, a lot of verses, but I trust that you'll say, God, is there any spot or anything that you pointed out here this morning that needs help? Because if it is, if, if there's something that's obvious that God's pointed out to you, let, let him say this, you're going to be characterized as a lethargic believer. Not somebody who's living freely in the light in the day. If you bow your heads, please. You might say, just quickly, we're running late here, so I just want to give you a quick opportunity.